0: Pastor's Prophecy Hour, your midweek installment of the Greater Life Church podcast. I'm Landon, and I'm here again with Pastor Andrew to talk about this next episode. Pastor Andrew, what are we going to be talking about in this episode? Well, you know, I can't get away from the days of Noah. So I'm going to start with the days of Noah, maybe a little bit of giant talk, some technology stuff, but we'll be moving quickly into doctrine. And what I really have discovered is that the further away the church gets from the Holy Spirit and the purity of the Word of God, the further away we get from the truth. And it's, it's sad, but I believe we have a window to see God's blessing once again. All right. Let's get into it. Thanks. Last week, we talked about Trust But Verify. We talked about this idea that the news and, and the media and the things that you read on the internet, I know this is going to be a shock, that not everything you read on the internet is true. What? So uh, let me just start there. Let me start there. We'll build from that, that part and uh, shock you all night long. Okay, so with that in mind, I also don't want you to misunderstand. Some of the things I shared with you last week and, I, and, and we went over that were propaganda. They were false information. The finger is not being pointed at Ukraine or at Russia, rather at media. Are you with me? Now, how media gets it may be under false pretenses from Russian government, Ukraine government, or, or anything else. One of the things I keep coming back to is if there was so much happening, we would see nowadays cell phone footage of all of these things, right? Something bad happens, there's a fight in front of a gas station. There's, there's a water main that got broken in Charlotte. It is on the internet. Somebody recorded it and put it on Nextdoor or Facebook or something. You've seen it. Now, I've got a few things before we start. Let's do a little bit of current events based on some debunking of some videos. Y'all ready? This first one that you see here was released as Russian planes flying over Kiev. It went viral on Twitter. Many, many, many thousands of people saw this as the attack that was coming into the Ukraine. However, this is a video that actually still is on YouTube from an air show in 2020, May 4th. So, what I'm bringing to you is things for you to consider. I'm not the exhaustive expert on all of the debunked videos out there. I just want you to trust but verify. Don't take everything so at its face value. The next one looks like anti-aircraft missiles going up. This video, of course, again on Twitter, on several accounts, was shared about Russia invading Ukraine, and this was the anti-aircraft missiles that were launched into the, into the night. In reality, is animated footage from a video game called War Thunder. I mean, they're getting away with it, right? If you see something that you've seen on the news while we're going over these, why don't you just yell at me and say, I saw that one. I mean, just let me know if you saw one of these. Mom. All right. (laughs) Next one. Let's see what the next one is. This was apparently one uh, plane that was shot down. The sixth Russian aircraft was what it was reported to be. However, this actual picture is from 2017, and uh, it's a screenshot and has nothing to do with Ukraine or even Russia, for that matter. The next one is an explosion. Boom! There it is. This video was uh, shot supposedly in the Ukraine recently, but this is actually an explosion from Beirut in 2020. The next one. This is supposedly another war live footage. Someone took of their cell phone with their cell phone. Says this is crazy. Uh, but this is actually a military jet, an F-16, that people have slowed down to be able to uh, determine that this is an F-16 American military jet, and Americans are not flying any jets in the Ukraine at all. They're not involved on that level. The next one, war scenes. Now, this one's pretty dramatic, pretty cool. The graphic designers did a great job because this is also from a video game titled Arma 3. The next one, we find paratroopers attacking the Ukraine. Here they come. This is actually from a training exercise in 2018. It is Russia, It is Russians' training exercise 2018. So they got that part right. The next one is a video purported to show a cruise missile fired, fired by Russians. Yep, there it is. See it go across there against the Ukrainian army. This is actually a rocket attack in Iraq last month against the U.S. Embassy. And from most sources, they believe it originated from Iran. There's a photo of two men raising a flag on uh, a building, a Ukrainian office building, and it's said that they've taken over this particular office building, but it's actually a photo that dates back to 2014. That gives you a little bit of our current events fix for the week. Let's pray. Lord, thank you for today. Thank you for what we're going to go over. Help us, God, to be people of the Spirit in regards to the matters of what goes on in the world. Help us, Lord Jesus, to lean in tonight to what you want us to hear and see by your word, by the Holy Spirit. In Jesus' name. Amen. I mean, you guys have seen footage out there of technology, ancient technology that was supposedly created by Fallen angels, or well, aliens is what they would say they are, but it's kind of like there was something that was pre flood, several things. They even found what they call the uh, Iraq battery uh, that has a power system within it that was way before batteries. And so they find these things. And one of the things that I've found interesting is I'm not going to take a lot of time on this, but I just want to rem- remind you that. We've had a discussion several times of the pre-flood technology and how it's not what we think it might have been. It's not they barely invented the wheel. They were still dancing around campfires and dragging women off by their hair. I mean, it wasn't Fred Flintstone-esque. It was very advanced because people were living seven, eight, nine hundred 900 years, and if you're that old, then you're that smart, and you've learned that much. And they found everything from traces of very advanced metal that we have not even been able to develop now from back in those days, from pre-flood eras. There have been, of course, not to, not to give the obvious one, but the pyramids is one of those. And they're still scratching their head on how did these rocks get to where they are. Now, good Bible-believing people believe that they threw a thousand Israelites at it and it just got done. But even a 1,000 Israelites couldn't do what those pyramids have done. There was advanced technology. I don't mean like hoverboards and, and self-lacing shoes. I mean legitimate technological advances that could have happened in those days that made those types of structures and buildings even possible. Remind you again that in prophecy, we've been on this hunt on what we would call the days of Noah because that's what Jesus said it would be like to remind you the days of Noah in Genesis chapter 6 verse 1 people began to multiply on the earth and sons and daughters were born to them the sons of God saw the beautiful women and took any of them they wanted as their wives and the Lord said my spirit will not put up with humans for such a long time for they are only mortal flesh. In the future, their normal lifespan will be no more than 120 years. In those days, and for some time after, giant Nephilites lived on the earth. For whenever the sons of God had intercourse with women, they gave birth to children who became the heroes and famous warriors of ancient times. The Lord observed the extent of human wickedness on the earth, and he saw that everything they thought, say everything, that's crazy. Everything they thought or imagined was consistently and totally evil. So the Lord was sorry he had ever made them and put them on the earth. It broke his heart. And the Lord said, I will wipe the human race I've created from the face of the earth. Yes, I will destroy every living thing, all the people, large animals, small animals that scurry on the ground, even the birds of the sky. I'm sorry I ever made them. But Noah found favor with the Lord. Matthew chapter 24 is the prophecy about the days of Noah, beginning in verse 36. However, no one knows the day or the hour when these things will happen. He just went through a bunch of prophetic things that we've already been through in pastor's prophecy hour. The day or the hour when these things will happen, not even the angels in heaven or the son himself, only the father knows. When the son of man returns, it will be like it was in Noah's day. In those days before the flood, the people were enjoying banquets and parties and weddings right up to the time Noah entered his boat. People didn't realize what was going to happen until the flood came, swept them all away, and that is, why, that is the way it will be when the Son of Man comes. For your consideration, days of Noah had some common themes. And if you dig into uh, ancient cultures, you find that there were three common myths ...in all ancient cultures or many of the advanced ancient cultures. Three common of the myths that we find in those ancient societies... ...is gods who came from above and had relations with earthly women. It's not unique to Genesis chapter 6. Many other ancient cultures have this in their mythology... ...in their records and in their historical documents... Secondly, you'll find a great cataclysm or a great disaster. By and large, most, if not all, are large floods. Finally, you have offspring that was the result of the first myth, making giants. The reason why I bring that to your attention is that what we're talking about are not foreign ideas or concepts to even people that are, quote-unquote, unreligious. They don't really believe the tenets of faith that we stand by or scriptures. But every ancient culture has almost always, without exception, have these three things in common. They attribute it to other types of things, aliens or or um, demons or gods but it all has these things going on now native americans in early america had records that said there were giants tall enough to run along bison and pick them up under their shoulders under their arms in 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 the americas there is a very well-known red-headed race of giants in the Middle East, in the mountains of Afghanistan, actually. And if you want to dig into it, you can find out more about it. But this is now becoming something that has spread all over the world. You remember, pre-flood, the world was way more connected. Right? God would not tell them to multiply and populate the earth if they got to the, to the beach and said, well, we've done all we could do, let's go back, you know? It was much more connected. As a matter of fact, in Peru, they found in historical records from missionaries and conquistadors that have confirmed a race of giants on the east coast of Peru. They showed up one day in boats. These giants are said to be 12 to 15 feet tall. They have found teeth as big as a human fist from these giants, They have found many other bones, and there are protected areas that archaeologists began to dig up. One of them is called Pamacuca. I know. I don't even know what it means in Spanish, but that's what it's called. Um, Where they began to dig up these uh, subterranean temples, and the government stopped it in Bolivia. The government stopped it, and so now you can go and look, but there's this rope that you can't go over, and you're not supposed to touch it. And these stones apparently are the remnants of a city that was built from this race of giants. Why do I bring that up? Because the Bible told us that these Nephilim, these giants, were there at the days of the flood and beyond and after that. We know that King David killed six of them. Was it 6,000? Six of them. Goliath had five brothers. No, f- five of them. Goliath had five brothers. That's why he took five stones with him to go fight Goliath because he was going to kill him and all his brothers. He only killed him and everybody else ran away. Are there giants still in the world today? I don't think so. Not like there were there. But can I tell you this? Giants is simply a physical deformity of God's intentional and original design. My sense is that the dna was thwarted then was perverted then has remained perverted now but the physical effects may not be giants but it may be something different maybe there's another type of attribute or something or maybe it's hidden maybe it's become a spiritual matter i'll ask you this you may have never encountered someone like this, but I feel like I have, where it just doesn't make sense why their heart is so hardened to the gospel. How are they not, in any way, shape, or form, open to this message? And maybe that's because something has been flipped off spiritually as their DNA. They are, they are not what God would consider in His image. Are you with me? Pastor, are you saying there are people in the world that are like this? I'm saying it's entirely possible. There's a real long video on the giants of Peru, and there's all kinds of crazy pictures that go with it, but I'll not show that to you. I had to pay $10 for it. If you want to see it, it'll be a dollar (laughs) a piece. I'm fitting to make some money on it. No. In all seriousness, most of it I couldn't confirm in any other place. So I went, "Eh, that's cool, but it's not confirmable. As you know, I tried to do the best I can to confirm what we talk about. Let's get into um, some scriptural stuff tonight. The topic officially... For this session is the decay of doctrine. The decay of doctrine. Let me propose to you this thought. The further away the church gets from the Holy Spirit, the further away they get from the truth. It is the Holy Spirit in John 12, John 14, 16 also that Jesus told us his role. One of the main things about the Holy Spirit is he is to tell us things about Jesus and about who Jesus is. He is also to reveal to us what scripture says and what Jesus says. And when we distance ourselves from the Holy Spirit, we start becoming deaf to the truth. And we make room for other voices to get in there and corrupt what we believe. I think it's the modern problem of the church today. I think if you were to look back in history to the Dark Ages, why do they call it the Dark Ages? Not just because it was foggy all the time in England. There was no spiritual movement. The government and the church had, in essence, gotten in bed together. Right? And it became simply a power battle and people could not read the word of God this had been taken out of the hands of the people the only hopes the people had to get the word of God were to go into a monastery a church a uh, what do they call the fancy churches cathedral to go into these places and have the scriptures read to them and many times the priests and those folks that were in charge didn't even read the scriptures. They would just tell them what they wanted to tell them. The dark ages happened when the Word of God was taken out of the church. Forget schools, the church. Because when people know what the Word of God says, they know when somebody's telling them a lie. This is why it's important for you to be self feeders in the word don't just get it on Sunday Wednesday Luke chapter 13 verse 6 Uh, someone asked me I think it was last week what translation I use when I teach it's new living translation that's what I use not living bible new living translation I've found that that's It's very readable, and it's incredibly accurate. Luke chapter 13, verse 6. There it is. (laughs) I was doing all right. (laughs) Then (laughs) Gene, Luke chapter 13. Oh my goodness, I know. <laughs> Luke chapter chapter 13, verse 6. Then Jesus told this story. A man planted a fig tree in his garden came again and again to see if there was any fruit on it. But he was always disappointed. Finally, he said to his gardener, I've waited three years and there hasn't been a single fig. Cut it down. It's just taking up space in my garden. The gardener answered, Sir, give it one more chance. Leave it another year, and I'll give it a special attention and plenty of fertilizer. If we get figs next year, fine. If not, then you can cut it down. The fig tree prophecy is two-part. That's part one. Part one talks about a fruitless tree. Trees in Scripture many times are attributed or representative of nations. God's blessing rests on the nation that not only honors Him, but bears Him fruit. And when we become a fruitless nation, the blessing so goes with it. I think, I think we have this opportunity here where it's sir give me one more chance let me dig around it let me cultivate it let me try one more time so we better be serious about doing everything we can to bear fruit for the sake of the kingdom because the blessing upon this nation is becoming shorter and shorter every day Luke chapter 21 is the second part of this prophecy Luke chapter 21, beginning in verse 29, Jesus has already gone through all of the end times, and he says, Then he gave them this illustration, notice the fig tree or any other tree. When the leaves come out, you know without being told that summer is near. In the same way, when you see all these things taking place, you can know that the kingdom of God is near. I tell you the truth, this generation will not pass from the scene until all these things have taken place heaven and earth will disappear but my words will never disappear the fig tree has several views that people with this prophecy several views that have been presented i'm going to share with you what they are and then i'm going to share with you what my personal opinion would be on these let me also say that none of these things, whether you believe this one or that one, is going to keep you out of heaven. St. Augustine said, is it St. Augustine? St. Augustine said, in essentials, unity, in non-essentials, liberty, and all things love. This is a non-essential, but it's still pretty cool. You ready? One view is that the fig tree prophecy is just a parable of watchfulness that we should be discerning of the seasons. Can I tell you, no matter which one you say, all of the, uh, that matches for everything. We should be discerning of the season that we're in. Another view is that these trees have prophetic nature of the generation that would see the return of Jesus Christ or would see the beginning of the end, the rapture and the seven-year tribulation and so forth. Now, an interesting take on one of these things is I found that in the Middle East, those nations were all born at the end of World War I when there was a massive restructuring. Colonialism was huge, and in the, in the end of World War I, all of those nations were broken up and became independent nations. Consider the date palm tree that when it began to bloom in 1942, Saudi Arabia gained their independence. It's also Saudi Arabia's tree of significance. The Lebanon tree. If you've read your scripture, you know that the cedars of Lebanon is mentioned over and over and over again. The cedar tree, when it became in bloom in Lebanon, they gained their independence from France in 1943. Consider also the olive tree. Out of Syria, same type of uh, imagery, same type of interesting connection there. As Jesus says, consider the fig tree and all trees. Could he be saying, here's something I'm pointing at, World War I. How many of you guys know God knows from the end to the beginning? Right? Also, the palm tree in Jordan. When it was born in an independent nation in 1946, right around the same time of year that the tree blossoms and gains its leaves, as Jesus was talking about. Finally, interestingly enough, the month of May in 1948, there was another nation born. And the month of May is also the month in which the fig tree gains its leaves and moves towards blossoming and fruit. What nation was that? Israel. Israel. So in that area in World War I, you see in the matter of a few years, all of these nations born, all of their trees blossoming and blooming in sequence with when they were born, and it's just a very interesting thing. Some people believe, uh, prophetic scholars and the like, some people believe that this points to that generation. Now. Now. If you take that wholeheartedly, and you know I'm out on this one because this puts a timeline on when Jesus is coming back. A generation in Psalms 90 verse 10 says a generation is 70 years and 80 years by reason of strength. So, if Israel was born in 1948 and the generation that saw that happen will not pass away, then 70 years... And then 80 because of strength. Now we're standing in 2028 when the fruition of Jesus' return comes about. Now, certainly is interesting. If it was 28 years ago, we would all be like, yeah, man, I can see that happening. But how many of you guys know that that's within the next year because we got seven years of tribulation to happen? But could he return then? Of course. Am I going to say he is? Absolutely not. Won't hear it here. Now, another view, my opinion, is it's not not really tied to time, but belief. I'm explained by saying that there's a generation in Israel, Jewish people, who are unbelievers. That generation at some point, is going to have to make a decision on what they're going to do because it's not going to be, show me the proof anymore. It's going to be so obvious that their hearts are going to literally have to be either just so hard that they won't even consider it because what they're going to see, in essence, is all of the um, prophecies that God lays out in Scripture, in the tribulation. The generation speaks of the unbelieving Jews that are maybe like the ones that wandered in the wilderness, or even the ones that killed Jesus upon the cross. They refuse to believe, and they will pass away ultimately, lost in sin, when the millennial kingdom begins, and that's when that generation as a whole will pass away. John chapter 4 Listen, we always have hope in these sessions, and I hope we have hope at the end of this one, but I'm a little discouraged in my heart because of the state of the church. John chapter 4, Jesus is talking to the woman at the well. In verse 23, he says, But the time is coming, indeed it's here now, when true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and in truth. The Father is looking for those who will worship, worship him that way, for God is spirit, So those who worship Him must worship in spirit and in truth. The farther we get away from worshiping in spirit, the farther away we get from worshiping Him in truth. The loss of truth among denominations is directly connected, as I've already proposed, to the loss of the spirit. I don't think it will take that long. I couldn't couldn't draw a direct line from this to that today but there's a whole lot of dotted lines that came about. And I think only time will tell should the Lord tarry, and these surveys begin to roll out that this is when they said no to the moving and the power and the baptism of the Holy Ghost. And that's when they begin to go this way. Not just in numbers, but also in impact and in, pr- and in truth and in everything else. I feel that's what's happening. In 2 Timothy... Paul writes to this little, this young man, Timothy, to encourage him about staying in the truth. And in 2 Timothy chapter 4, verse 2, it says, preach the word of God. Be prepared whether the time is favorable or not. Did you hear that? Whether they don't like you or not, preach. There are times in early days when uh, Kelly and I planted the church that I'd get discouraged on Sunday afternoon. And I'd be up, well, it'd be there was a family that would visit or something like that. I'd be excited about, hey, we had this visitor come, and I was able to talk to them, and, and maybe they'll come back next week, and I'd do the follow-up thing, and, and they ghost me. Hey, I hope you enjoyed it, and, and that God blessed you as you were here, and, and, and if you need anything, holler, and, and then nothing. And then I had this practice of doing a handwritten note, and then I'd also call, and, and uh, these poor people, uh, I'll tell you, church planners, we got to work hard, man and uh, I'd do all of this, and nothing, and then they wouldn't come, and then they wouldn't come, and then, and finally, there was one time, I ran to this lady in the grocery store. <laughs> well, the church was in the store, it was in a storefront, and so, you know, if she didn't want to run to the pastor of the church in the storefront, don't go in that grocery store on Wednesday night at 6 30 when I'm buying stuff for church. Oh, hey, how are you? How you doing? I said, hey, listen, no offense. Um, we're just, we're not going to be, we're not going to be coming back. Oh, well, I, oh, I just was saying, hey, but, <laughs> all right, <laughs> and, uh, and so it kind of, it kind of hurt my feelings, but Kelly, uh, I, I talked to her, and by the way, she she had a headache tonight and was unable to become, but I talked to her, and, uh, and she said, you know, I, I think it's because They may have felt conviction, and people have a choice. They either respond to the conviction and become right with God, or they don't want to put themselves in a room where they keep feeling that conviction. So it's my commitment to you, and I ask for you to pray for me that I'm going to preach the word as best I can, as hard as I can, as straight as I can, and people leave if they want to, but the Holy Spirit's got to. Conviction and condemnation are two different things. Conviction draws in, condemnation pushes away. And so I want to be a church that, man, yes, feel convicted and get right with God. Amen? Amen. He tells Timothy, preach the word, be prepared. Whether the time is favorable or not, patiently, Lord help me with that, patiently correct, rebuke, and encourage your people with good teaching. For a time is coming... And I think this time is today when people will no longer listen to sound or wholesome teaching. They will follow their own desires and will look for teachers that will tell them whatever their itching ears want to hear. They will reject the truth and chase after myths. Friends, in 2006... 37% of the United States religious congregations permitted gays and lesbians to be full fledged members. 2006. In 2012, it jumped to 48%. In 2006, 27% allowed gays and lesbians to hold. Leadership and volunteer leadership positions. In 2012 that, I'm sorry, that was 17 percent 2012, it jumped to almost 27 percent. Here we are in 2022, and I know that number's higher. It's not just about homosexuality today, it's about abortion. The Episcopal Church, the Evangelical Lutheran Church of America, and the United Methodist Church have all embraced abortion rights. That also includes the Presbyterian Church USA and even conservative Judaism. It's a slippery slope. On the list of people that oppose abortion rights with few or no exceptions is the AME Church, the Assemblies of God, the Roman Catholic Church, and of course the Southern Baptist brothers and sisters. Which by the way, Southern Baptist Church does not have a stance that they believe that the gifts of the Holy Spirit are not active. They they, they are not cessationist, which means that it stopped. They simply just don't emphasize it in their preaching does that make sense I had a I had a brother who was a Baptist minister for almost 40 years down the road he's since retired he held a Bible study when I planted a church he held a Bible study with me and a Russian Pentecostal pastor and a a Methodist guy and and we got there and he opened his Bible and we sat around he said all right guys let's look at it Acts chapter 2 I went I know this one so we talked about it we talked about it and he he not only was filled with the holy ghost but he prayed in tongues often and this sweet little old man bald as he could be just precious told me listen i believe it i just don't preach it because i preach water baptism and discipleship interesting isn't it you get what you preach 2007, the Supreme Court made a judgment on same-sex marriage. This is a graph of United States denominations, religious organizations that either made a stance or didn't on it. The Assemblies of God, of course, officially disagreed with the, rule, with the ruling the Southern Baptist. Seven-day Adventists, the, the Church of God in Christ. However, it's interesting to see that the Lutheran Church affirms it. Episcopal Church affirms it. United Church of Christ affirms it. Right there, right above the United Church of Christ right here is atheist. Hmm. I don't know how that made a religious list, but okay. Presbyterian Church USA affirms it. Also, it was asked of mainline denominations and other uh, religious organizations. Ask these two questions. Should homosexuality be uh accepted or should it be discouraged in society not even in the church should it be accepted or discouraged in society which means in our school teaching which means in our families which means in our tv and all those kinds of things should it be accepted or discouraged this graph is upside down so in my opinion the best one that is most heavily against it is here at the bottom same thing on the back side and uh, unfortunately well no Fortunately, all evangelical, Christian, religious, and denominations, the Assemblies of God won the prize as being at the top of the list, being very vocal and very clear in their stance. And uh, when when, when we have questions here, when pastors have questions here, we can go to their website and get very clear scriptural teaching about these issues. There is one that's not a Christian organization that's down there with us as Jehovah's Witnesses. But, (laughs) I mean, what are you going to (laughs) do? They let them get on the list. I mean, anyway. (laughs) It's a sad day, guys. And there's a lot of shrinking back going on. When people run out of Scripture to back up what they want to say, they just tell a lot of stories in their sermons. I, I, I sometimes read too much scripture. Sometimes I don't read enough. I, I get it. But at the end of the day, if I'm just talking to you, then what do I have to say to you? There's nothing eternal in my words. I could tell you stories all day long. We can laugh about and, eh, and him all around. But there's nothing there that can help you in your spiritual walk. And isn't it interesting that 2 Timothy 4, 4, as we just read, says they will turn away from the truth aside to myths, stories, anecdotes, TED Talks. Which, by the way, if you dig past the surface of TED Talks, there's a lot of them that are founded in Scripture, but they're not allowed to say it is Scripture, right? Human wisdom, Proverbs 14, 12. This is part of the slippery slope. Proverbs 14, 12 warns us there is a way which seems right to a man, but in its end it's a way to death. The misuse of Scripture. Taking things out of context. Not being a a diligent student of the Word. Someone saying something that you have never read on your own and you taking it at face value. Oh, the Bible says that? Hey, you're not supposed to eat shrimp says it in Leviticus. I'm going to go to Leviticus and find that one for myself. And then I'm going to say, I'm in the new covenant, brother. I'm going to eat my shrimp. Peter saw shrimp. I swear if I dig hard enough, I can find shrimp on the sheet that came down to Peter. It's got to be on there somewhere. <laughs> They're bacon on there. That's right. Anyway, sorry. I went sideways on you. Sometimes human wisdom is boiled down to we believe it just because it makes sense. Oh, that totally makes sense. A man named Rob Bell, who um, led and founded Mars Hill Bible Church in Michigan in 1999, and left the church about a decade later. It grew to 11,000 people. Rob Bell had revelation. To where he realized that the scripture is not inerrant or uh, inspired it's just some good stuff began to preach and teach that there was not only no hell but there was no judgment because god wouldn't do that god doesn't do that we do that when we don't choose him there was a comment on one of his youtube videos that i thought was just fascinating let me see i think i I think I have it. Oh man, I hope I have it. It's so good. I don't have it. it. Must not be that good. It said this We literally have to walk over the body of Jesus to get into hell. Wow. The death of Jesus kept us from hell if we just accept that gift. Amen. That so many times they believe it because it just makes sense. This guy Rob Bell again is only one example of many. Rob Bell again said, all sexuality must be from God because it's good. It feels good. Including all sexuality. Sometimes another danger in Psalm 119 105, we're reminded to let God's word be a lamp to our feet. And there are many people that have put their faith too much in a pastor or a leader and not in God. Pastors make mistakes, y'all, all the time, but God doesn't. Sound doctrine defaults teaching. Many times it isn't something that happens overnight. It isn't something that happens in a moment. It isn't something that sometimes we even realize when it's going on, but we have to pay attention. We have to be cautious, and we have to be careful, and we have to be students of the Word. Sound doctrine speaks of clarity. It speaks of knowing what the Scriptures are saying, and not only that, but we know enough that God gives us a check when we hear something that's off. False teaching is a message that's contrary to the truth of the gospel. In Ephesians, the elders were told by Paul, from among your own selves, men will arise speaking perverse things to draw away the disciples after them. Peter said in Acts, uh, in 2 Peter chapter 2, verse 1, there will also be false teachers among you. Among you. Be careful who you listen to. In the, There's no hallways in greater life. In the great room at greater life. Amen? Let me also remind you, believers, that the Scriptures tell us pretty clearly that we have an obligation, a responsibility to hold one another to account. When they're doing or saying or out of line, we have an opportunity in love to say, hey, you need need to check yourself. And if they don't respond, what are you supposed to do? What's Matthew say? Bring them to me. (laughs) Just skip the go back with a friend, bring them to me. I'm a friend. <laughs> Bring him to Wes first, though. <laughs> Moise is back there. He'll take it. We get really sidetracked when the illustrations and stories and, and could, I, could I be so bold to say creativity of preaching outweighs the preaching itself. I like illustrations, I do them, but the older I get, the more boring I get. I used to squirt water guns in Wes's face in a sermon illustration. I used to carry stuff out. My first sermon as a pastor of Greater Life Church, I was on a 15-foot ladder up here, hanging on for dear life. I don't even know what it's about. I did know I was on a ladder. I was terrified, scared to death. Can I tell you what I've learned? This preaches itself. Oh my goodness. Just read this and talk for a second about what it said for the folks that need the exhortation, which is the explanation of what just went on. This will preach itself. Can I tell you the way that we'll see revival is if we just let this do what it was designed to do, to be light and to break through the hardened hearts of people and allow the Holy Spirit to do what He does. When we go into our quiet place at our home, the Holy Spirit helps us understand even further. It's Pastor's Prophecy Hour, and let me just tell you, our nation is in trouble because we are going away from the purity of this book. And the further away we get from this and the Holy Spirit that teaches us what this says, the farther away we are from God's blessing. The fig tree prophecy was very simple. It will not go fruitless forever. The owner of the fig tree is going to show up one day and cut it down. And it's my prayer that we're ready, not only that, but we're with him when all that cutting starts taking place, (laughs) I don't want to be here for that, amen, bow your heads with me, Lord, thank you for the opportunity we've had to hang out once again tonight, I just pray, Lord, I pray for pastors right now, Myself included. God, that we would have a deep conviction that the word would be the priority of the pulpit. And that we wouldn't vary from it. We wouldn't wander from it. We wouldn't let flashy things distract us from it. God, (laughs) let your word... Be the center point of everything we do at this place. And Lord, for those out there that are wandering and confused and even hurt from the church, Lord, may we be good stewards when they find us to show them the purity and the beauty of the gospel, the full gospel. that brings the power of the Holy Spirit in. Use us, each and every person tonight, in our own homes, in our own neighborhoods, in our own families, to be salt, to be light, to be vigilant in doing the work of the kingdom, day in and day out. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for listening. If you enjoyed this episode, make sure to leave a five-star rating and review. If you'd like to hear more, be sure to subscribe to Pastor's Prophecy Hour on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever else you get your podcasts. If you'd like to hear more from Greater Life Church, including our Sunday morning services, go to our website, greaterlife.church.